Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at Mike C Tennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now. Hey everybody, Mike here uh, from the Doubletree by the San Francisco airport. Listen, we have over the next couple of days, regardless of when you're hearing this, there are three podcasts that we're dropping over the next couple of days. Number one is an interview with Michael Moe, who won the Fairfield Challenger on Sunday. Um, didn't lose a set during the entire week. It was his seventh Challenger title. So we do have an interview with Michael Moe that's dropping on Monday. On Tuesday, we will be getting to Noah Rubin and his decision to take up pickleball and why. And then on Wednesday, a full behind the racket profile with Sam Riffis, the 2021 NCAA champion while at the University of Florida, who is now into his professional career since graduating in the summer. So all three of these will be dropping. You'll hear this intro on all three of them, so you can skip ahead just about one minute to get to uh, the interviews and also Noah as well. Um, but thank you so much for listening to the Behind the Racket pod, and more is coming up next week. with Sam Riffis, and, and I need to preface before we talk to the former NCAA champion that this is uh, just after he has completed a quarterfinal win a little bit earlier over Lexi Gallarneau here in Fairfield. Uh, and before semifinals, this is going to be released, Sam, on Monday. So I just need to set the scene for everybody that they know that regardless of anything that happens, this is recorded on Friday. Um, I know we tried to do this um, actually last time you reached a challenger semifinal, and that was in Orlando last year. Um, yeah. What do you think has happened in your life um, over the last, let's say, 16 months since then? Um, 
you seem, it feels like to me, like you've matured quite a bit and you're already a very mature man when I really kind of started talking to you last summer. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, lots going on. Um, first of all, I, I graduated college um, and then I got engaged once I graduated to uh, my longtime girlfriend, Cece Bellis, now fiance. We're getting married in January. Um, and then, <coughs> yeah, last summer after I made the, the semis of that challenger, that was a really big moment because I, I just went in CAs. I made that semi. I was doing really, really well. And I was getting ready to play the U.S. Open in the summer. And then um, and then I got stress fracture in my back, um, partially tore my labrum and my hip. So then I was kind of out for five months, and I didn't play again until January. So that was a pretty tough time because I felt like I was getting close to ready to maybe go pro maybe seize all that momentum because tennis is all about momentum. Right. And um, so that kind of set me back pretty far and definitely made an easy decision to go back to school and yeah. finish my degree. And um, I really, it was tough for me that, that season. Um, the first two months or so, I felt like I was still kind of getting things back because I hadn't played in a while. And then near the end, I definitely caught my stride and started playing a lot better. Um, yeah, but to be here in the semis again and another challenger is really big opportunity. I'm going to ask you a question about actually the today's match um, because it was a very odd one in, in terms of Lexi, your opponent, um, struggling with his shoes. Yeah. And I'm, and I'm wondering, some people might have watched it here and who are listening to this podcast, did you see what was going on in terms of, I mean, he changed shoes at the set break and then he was just slipping quite yeah. a bit? I don't know. I mean, he's definitely a better mover than I am. <laughs> I, I I wasn't moving as well as him, so I guess I didn't have that problem. Um, uh, yeah, the courts are a little slippery, but he's just like, he's such an explosive mover. Mm. I think it, even if the court's a little slick, it's going to bother him a lot. Um, yeah, I was I was seeing that was happening. It reminded me of when like Djokovic played in Asia that one year, and he played like those couple games, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. And he, it was like weird, like all, like there was a couple games like that where Alexi was just like completely off at yes. the end of the first, beginning of the second. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was weird. I don't know. Um, it was, yeah, I knew it was definitely bothering him, so I was trying to play behind him a lot and, like, kind of mess with his balance. Yeah, the, the, you're ref referencing the times when Novak looked completely drunk yeah. playing tennis. <laughs> yeah. which, uh, again, I think, frankly, that was the most humanizing moment that Novak has <laughs> ever had in his life, just yeah. the fact that it's like everybody's like, oh, I've been there. I know what that's like, right? Uh -huh. um, these two semifinals separated by 16 months happen to come in two places that have some special meaning to you. Yeah. Um, tell me about growing up here in Northern California from the Sacramento area. My experiences have been revolving around tennis here in this area and just seeing this incredible beauty here in Northern California. Mm -hmm. What was it like growing up and why has this area also started producing a lot of talent um, at, at the highest levels of tennis? Yeah, Cal Northern California especially is a really great place. There's a lot, of, so many good players that have come out here. I, I was lucky when I was coming up, there's so many good Division One college players, um, guys like Mackie McDonald, uh, Colin Altamirano, and a bunch of really good, Bradley Klein went to school here. Um, a lot of really good players. I don't know, it's just, you know, there's a lot of really nice tennis clubs. So I think especially for me, I grew up across the street from a nice tennis club where my mom worked and uh, it just gave me a reason to want to be out there and there's nice people, everyone's having fun, people in California are super nice to begin with and like it's just good vibes being out on the court and practicing and also growing up and playing all of these junior tournaments, traveling around and some of my best friends that I'm still best friends with um, came from here so 
Yeah, I grew up like an hour from here in Sacramento and uh, always spent a lot of time in Fairfield, a lot of time in the Bay Area playing tournaments, and that's where everything was. So, yeah, it's, I haven't been back in a long time. Yeah, when did you leave? I left. I moved out to Boca for USTA when I was like 12 or 13. Okay. So I haven't really been back here in like six, seven years. No kidding. Yeah. It's really been that long. Yeah, because my, my family ended up moving out when I was 15. Okay. So... I think I came back once when I was 15, and then since then I haven't come back at all. That's fascinating because this is, I mean, I, I know I've said it on Twitter and social yeah. media. I mean, I brought my daughter out here. It's just yeah. so gorgeous. It is it is very hard for you, I imagine, though, to kind of have that freedom over the last couple of years when you are playing at such a high level through your entire junior career, as you said, really since the age of 12. It, it, how have you balanced um this idea of wanting to make sure you're enjoying life and making sure to have those experiences while also still fulfilling these tennis dreams that you have? Mm, yeah, that's a great question. It's, um, I think a lot of it is just enjoying where you are, like weeks like here or Tiburon, and like you see how incredible tennis is and what it can help you um, experience. <coughs> Being in that area in Tiburon and here where the people are coming out, everyone's so nice, everyone wants to watch you play. Um, those are definitely weeks where like, you're way higher than other weeks where you might be a little lower, like in the trenches and tough weeks. So I think it's all finding the balance and enjoying when you are in a great spot, really enjoying it, enjoying the people. Um, and then I think I've been super lucky because my fiance was such a good player. So she, I mean, she's way, way better than I ever am so far. Um, and uh, just kind of learning from her experiences. And then my mom has a tennis background too. So my family's been a big part of it, helping along the way. Yeah, I wanted to bring up Cece because she was on our podcast uh, before she made her retirement announcement. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know at the time, as she was kind of going through that process, she talked a lot about perspective um, and just realizing that there is more <laughs> than than just this sport. Um, as much as you're comfortable, talk me through um, how you handled her process as she was inching towards retirement and what perspective it then gave you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her her story is really really a sad one. Um, but she she's amazing because she made the most out of it. I think from the first time she got injured, she started doing college online and um, doing a really tough major, doing finance and going through almost three years of rehab with maybe five or six tournaments. It was just so amazing to see how hard she worked when she. I don't know if she was ever not in pain during those times with all the difficult surgeries she had, but. Um, that definitely seeing how hard she worked when I was, cause that started when I was a freshman in college, it really gave me a different perspective seeing someone I care about so much being top 40 in the world and, um, still trying to achieve so much off the court, whether it was school or doing those things that she needed to do. Um, it really made a difference kind of, um, I mean, I had some really good moments in college, but I was never anywhere near her level. So just seeing someone at that level, just being willing to do other things outside of tennis, and then now being so successful, it's really positive, really positive. And it seems like on top of it, I've talked to your mom a few times. Um, I've talked to Ryan Shelton um, in Gainesville as well. It seems like it was from what little I know about your mom, from what little I know about Brian, both of those two people are also really big about perspective and yeah. just this big picture mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, why Florida um, and and 
why how has that relationship with brian developed over the the last few years yeah florida i mean i didn't really know much about the gators uh living i lived in florida since i was 13 but i didn't really like know anything about it yeah and uh yeah it wasn't and then i started going up there and seeing it talking to brian talking to tanner stump who's retired now and coach perlman and like just seeing how great of coaches they are because there's a lot of coaches in college that are all about winning in college, doing what it takes to win in college, but there's uh, relatively few that care more about your development as a player and as a person. We agree. And you can just see with, like, Ben, Brian's son, like, he cares more about creating a good person, creating someone that once they leave his program, they're going to be fully capable of taking care of themselves and be just a good human. And uh, so I think I was really lucky to choose to go to him. And i say another big reason is, it's only an hour and 45 from Orlando, so that's me and Cece were still dating. So I knew if I went out to a California school or something like that, that's just it's going to be really, really hard. So um, it was great because a lot of weekends I'd go home, be see my family, or she'd come up. or um, And then also my parents being able to watch all my home matches because they've been such a big part of me. I felt I could never go out to a school in California and just – kind of only see them at Christmas, Thanksgiving, or whatever. It's just so I think family was probably the biggest reason, and then seeing how incredible the coaching staff is and the, yeah, just just being with Brian and Tanner and um, Coach P. They're, like, my three uncles, three parents. Like, they're just such good people, and I know for the rest of my life I'll always have them to lean on. Where do you think you developed most um, it, it, while you were in Gainesville? Was it more on the court? Was it more kind of just your, uh, just some of the maturity off the court? What was it that, that is the biggest jump for you? Yeah, I think, I mean, I went in my freshman year. I didn't really know what was going on, but. Uh, Nobody does. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Coach Brian, he, or Coach Sheldon made me, um, he made me captain as a freshman. So I think he put a lot of responsibility on me, but he also taught me how to lead and how to kind of work with people that were, I mean, older than me, seniors and juniors and everything. So I think that kind of made me mature quick. I couldn't go in and mess around like a lot of freshmen do, you know, yeah. kind of just get in trouble. So I think that was a blessing um, that he put that responsibility on me. So I, I had other people looking up to me. I couldn't just do my own thing, which is what tennis is all about, right. up until college, doing your own thing, being a little bit selfish. Um, but I think, I mean, he did a lot for me off the court. A lot of workshops, um, a lot of things that Florida offers to help development as a leader. Um, and then just being in his presence, just kind of seeing how Coach Shelton leads his – he never goes out there and has a bad day, you know. Like, yeah. he's treating me the same that he's treating someone that maybe isn't in the lineup or um, just everyone in his circle or everyone that he's around he treats with utmost respect. So just kind of being in his presence just naturally. You just learn a lot and uh, – you. I think I grew a lot that way, just being around him. A lot of this, um, as people would, will be listening to this, Sam, a lot of these things you keep talking about are, I guess, what we would call old school, traditional, like family values that yeah. you seem to really emphasize. And I, I talk about your parents. You mentioned, obviously, your mom is, is very engaged in, in tennis, USTA um, type stuff over the years. How did they balance that parenting aspect while you were playing at such a high level, um, 10, 12 year old. Yeah. My mom, my mom's always been amazing at that. She, now that she's at USTA, that's something that she teaches kind of, um, how to be a tennis parent. Mm -hmm. And 
Yeah, you all should look up some of the videos she made <laughs> with Riley Opelka and Tommy Paul and Cece um, a while back. I don't know where you'd find them, but uh, <laughs> yeah, she made some good ones. But she was always great. I mean, <clears throat> she always kept me very humbled. Even when I do well, I do bad. She's always, she, one thing that she always emphasized was it's um, it's all about attitude and effort. And then when I was 10, 11, 12, she said, it's all about how you play when you're 18. This doesn't matter. It's all about building blocks to when you're 18. So those are two things that she, she really emphasized. So the long-term goals and then the attitude and effort. So I'm really lucky with that. And then my dad, I think he gave me a really cool temperament because he's, uh, he's a really calm guy, really knows how to take charge of things. So he didn't teach me as much as the tennis stuff, but everything else that uh, I've learned from my dad has helped with kind of the mental side of things, I'd say. Definitely strike me um, as one of the older players out here, and I and I don't mean that in terms of your actual physical age, but there is definitely a level of maturity. Um, what do you do to use that when you're out on a tennis court, and how do you bring that into what you're doing actually in your play? Yeah, um, I think there's not a lot of things that I do to like that are awesome on a tennis court, you know, not a big serve, not a big forehand, don't move in like Mo out here or anything like that. But Nobody I think, does. yeah, <laughs> I think, uh, I think just kind of using my brain on a tennis court. So trying to find a way to make the other guy uncomfortable. If it's, you know, hitting 80% backhand slices, short cross, I'll just do that. Just make the guy uncomfortable. It's just taking the backhand line or like just, so I think some of that maturity has helped me step out from the tennis match because sometimes you're out there playing and the match goes by so fast and you're like, oh, I just lost three and three. I didn't yeah. make any adjustments. So I think um, I'm able to make adjustments during the match and kind of change things up and do a little more all-around stuff instead of just relying on always on like a big serve or big forehand, things like that. Watching you yesterday, two, day, two days ago, did you play Wednesday? Is yeah. That right? Yeah, Wednesday, Thursday off. Yeah, so Ben is in here um, and he's just like, Gosh, when when Sam gets when Sam gets mad, man, like that's when he's <laughs> at his best. And I'm just like, I don't I don't know that I've really seen him mad. But is is that accurate when you get a little bit spicy, a little feisty out there? Yeah. Is that when you are can can you play on edge? Yeah, I think so. I think there's a lot of times <laughs> I'm on edge. I try not to to show it too much verbally, but I definitely let it out sometimes. Um, yeah, Ben. Yeah, it's been great. It's I think school teaches you that because there's always so much crap going on when you're yes. playing dual matches and stuff yes. and like you're kind of always a little bit angry <laughs> so you learn how to play with that especially over yeah. four years you kind of learn to play with that edge a little bit um how much do you think you helped ben develop over the last two years realistically and it's amazing what he's done i think i mean when i was like a freshman i used to go out early and practice with him mm -hmm. and like just like as a favor to his dad yeah yeah <laughs> and <then laughs> <laughs> and then, like, two years later, he's, like, waxing me to practice sets and stuff. And, like, he just waxed me last week. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, he's such a hard worker, and he he works so well with his dad. And his dad, I mean, he does everything his dad says. And it just shows how good of a coach Brian is, or Coach Sheldon is that he's able to. Um, You're allowed to call him Brian. It's okay. Uh, he's going to find out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't let him hear that. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it just shows that. I mean, he was always doing extra stuff with his dad, always out there early. I mean, it helps. He grew like five inches and yeah, that doesn't hurt. 30 pounds of muscle, and he still moves <laughs> so well. But, uh, 
I mean, I don't know. I, I definitely pushed him in practice. He pushed me, so I was, I was a good practice partner. And But a lot of what he did is just enormously hard work that he does and um, some natural talent from his uh, tennis bloodline, I'd say. Yeah, they're not bad. He's a sm- bad. very, very smart guy, too. So he's not out there just hacking out the ball, hitting big and using his power. He's so smart also that yeah. he's able to use the intelligence. So he's he's a whole pack. He doesn't have any holes. So I don't know how much I helped him, but it was fun to watch his monumental uptick. Well, he'll he'll never do it publicly, but I, I can tell you in, in private conversation some of the things he says about you. Oh, I think nice. I think he does give you a little bit of credit of his being such a good representative yourself um, nice up at the top of that lineup. So um, in, in terms of your growth and development, I, I think probably the first thing you're going to say is I need to be healthy for a period of time. But what are these steps that you need to make here to go? I think you're back inside the top 500 with the semifinal to get to that point where you're in Grand Slam qualities and then move from there. Yeah, it's. Um, I think it's. I think I'm serving a little better this week. I think it, for me, it's all about the serve. If I'm able to get two free points a game on my serve. It just makes the world of difference because I don't have to grind as much. I don't yeah. get as tired. And I think one of the strengths of my game is returning. I'm able to get a lot of returns back in play and put pressure on second serve. So I think if I can improve my serve, get more free points, um, it will just help me tremendously. Because this week, especially, I feel like I've gotten out of a lot of holes yeah. with some big first serves. Um, yeah, your break point saved. I, I yeah. actually looked at it last night. It's really, really good the last even two weeks. Yeah, so... Yeah, uh, last week too. Um, so yeah, I think that relies a lot on my big ser- or serving bigger. Yeah. Um, definitely getting stronger, so I don't get pushed off the baseline as much, and I can try to dictate more. So I'm not because there's, I mean, there's a certain level that I can get away with using having good hands yeah. and running and coming up with clutch shots. But then, like last week when I played Ben, he just steamrolls me because yeah. I don't serve well enough, and I just give him too many looks. So I think it's kind of just being more committed to serving bigger and just trying to grow um, physically. How does one, I mean, I understand the growing physically and mm-hmm. muscle very simply, but how does one add MPH consistently to a serve? How does one return better? Yeah. I think some players just naturally have a looser arm and they can just sling it. Sure. And I think something I need to realize is I'm going to be more of a spot server. So try to serve 65, 70% first serves in and then, no, I'll never hit a serve 140. Just try to be more consistent with hitting closer to the lines. And just that's just reps, getting the consistency, getting the legs. Because when the legs get tired, you know, you start hitting the tape. Um, things slow down. So physically stronger, I'm able to do it for three hours, 95% of the time, have the same exact serve. Yeah. Um, so I think that's big. And then um, the returning is just finding what's comfortable. If you're better standing back, you're better taking time away, pressure. Um, something I've tried to do is block the forehand back um, with the slice, especially on the deuce side, get into the point. Yeah. And then the backhand is such a short swing, I, I'm able to take it super early. So just try to do that. So um, give the guy less court to work with on the serve. One of the things I think is uh, very underrated as a skill, Sam, is knowledge of one's self, knowledge of one's strengths, knowledge of one's weakness, and knowing who they are as a player. Mm-hmm. Do you think you're at that point? right now where you feel you know who you are as a player i think that's yeah i think that's definitely something i've learned more of especially going through college knowing that i'm just not going to go out there and bomb serves and crush forehands and just realizing my limitations and what i do well 
and some things that maybe I need to cover up a little more on the court. Um, but yeah, I think that's a huge part that some people have all the talent in the world and a couple holes, but yeah. they won't address the holes because the talent's so strong. Um, so yeah, I think it, a lot of it is realizing what you can do well, try to do that as much as possible, and what you don't do well, try to cover it as much as possible. And you gotta be, you know, you gotta be pretty honest with yourself. You really strike me as a coach. Like <laughs> <laughs> you've got a long way to go in your playing career. Don't get me wrong, but this brain inside of you is you are a coach. Oh, thanks. Is that where you want to go in 10, 15 years? Uh, I don't think so. I'm uh, I'm going to go to law school Okay. and uh, try to go down that path. But which, which area of law? Which specialty? I'm not sure. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm not sure. I'd love to, um, yeah, I don't know. Okay. Definitely not corporate law. Something more, a little more fun. Um, okay. But, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. It would be, I definitely love tennis, and I don't want to, ever leave tennis yeah. you know but there's i think there comes a time when it's time to move on and yeah there's a lot of other avenues out there in the world indeed um all right let me just say this i dated a uh somebody who was in law school for oh a yeah. while and the, uh, i can say this the first thing that they told her uh when when she hit her first day like the orientation they said uh say goodbye to your spouse or <laughs> your, your dating partner for the next three years um, and that that turned out to be true. Yeah. So uh, you were uh, on the just, back burner. I was I was left behind uh, in more ways than one. So yeah. just I'm just saying, just make yeah. sure you take care of CC there, okay? Yeah, I, I'll definitely <laughs> have to try to try to find the balance. Yeah. Um, I do want to ask you one kind of specific question about something you said earlier. You talked about Brian and and Tanner and the idea of development mm -hmm. um, as in part of a college program. How can we make it? This is a big picture question, but how can we make that that, that the focus is more there, or is it is that just kind more of more on developing college yeah, players in, instead in, of winning? Instead of just winning, is there a way to actually do that? Because I was actually talking about it the other day. I, I like I have a res respect for TCU. Yeah, um, I think Texas A and M what they've been able to do in terms yeah, of their development great. is fantastic. I, UCLA is criminally underrated for the development that they've been able to do with their players. Mm -hmm. how, how do we get some of the focus back on that side if it's at all possible? Yeah, I think it I mean, it all comes down to the coach. You got some of these guys like Coach Shelton, Steve Denton, um, Roditti, and uh, all the other coaches he has at TCU. They're just like, they're some of the best guys out there. Yeah, I think it all comes down to the coach and what type of program they're willing to create. You see it in, like, college football. Some of these coaches have, like, dirty programs, yes. and it shows on the field. And then you see other programs that create a lot of outstanding players and good people. Yes. So I think it all just comes down to the coach and the, the athletic directors at the school willing to maybe have a bad couple seasons, but if it's the right coach, the right yeah. fit. Cause I mean, tennis isn't even that big of a sport at school, right. so I think a lot of coaches or a lot of ADs would rather have, like, Oh, the tennis team. Those are great guys. Like yes. people talking like that about the tennis team right. instead of like they do really well, but like, whoa, <laughs> those guys cheat. Yes. Like those guys are dirty. Yes. Um, so I think a lot of it just comes down to the hiring process, willing to hire the right people and have kind of a, a curve where maybe you don't do well for a couple of years, but yes. sticking with them if they're the right people. It's such a hard thing. I mean, I came from the school of Craig Tiley, right, at, uh -huh. at Illinois. I mean, that was the whole part was, you, I mean, he gave you a, like a business plan mm. where this is, I'm going to take you from here to here as a tennis player and yeah. from here to here 
as a person, you know, in terms of this is your, you want a degree in business where here's how we're going to get you to the best place you can be. Yeah. And it just seems like, I know that's one example, but it seems like that there are certain programs that really look at, look at that. Yeah. It's a, a four year process to get a player to where they need to be as a human being rather than I'm going to try to take advantage of this person for two years to help us get wins. Yeah. That's like a lot of what made me go to Florida is coach Sheldon had like a plan for me. You know, a lot of schools were just like, oh, we'd love to have you here. You'd be great here. It's a great program, whatever. Yeah. But Coach Sheldon was the only one who had, like, this is where I see your game in two years. This is where I see – this is what I see you doing. This is what we need to work on. And it was, all of his stuff was long-term, long long-term yeah. picture. He's like, I think we could build a great championship program. He wasn't saying, like, you come here, we'll win it first year. Yes. Like a lot of schools promise, like, oh, you come, like, we're guaranteed to win it. Yeah. He was all about, yeah, we'll build something. Yeah. I think that there's something to be said. Okay, I'm going to end uh, with a kind of a fun one. So I'm I'm about to do your match. I think it was actually with Ben last week, um, and my friend Jimmy on on the Twitters. He's he's one of those guys who knows everything about everyone, and he's he he tweets and he says, uh, you know, Sam's getting married this January, yeah, uh, and it's going to be a four day extravaganza, <laughs> and I I'm just I look at the tweet and I'm just like four, four days. Four-day extravaganza. So I, I'm going to need some details uh, as best you can about yeah. uh, so how you make a ceremony over four days. Yeah, so Cece's mom, her name's Lori. Okay. Um, she's one of the most energetic, amazing, thoughtful people out there. Yeah. And she loves to throw parties and okay. create events and do these things. So I think... I, I don't have any anything in to do with it, okay, anything. Yeah. I, 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 I just say, oh, that sounds great. Um, and it all looks amazing. Okay. Um, I think her idea was that since we have so many friends spread out around the country yeah. and hopefully people travel to Florida to come see us and everything, she wanted to have a couple of events so they didn't fly out for one day then leave. Got it. Okay. And she's like, oh, while you're here, like – We'll take care of you. We'll have uh, we'll have line dancing on Thursday. We'll have like a, a fire belly dancer on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then we'll have like a pickleball tournament Saturday morning. Like wow. all, so she created all these incredible events. Okay, because she wanted people to feel welcome and stay for as long as they wanted, and not just feel obliged to come out for twenty four hours and leave. So, do you know what yours? what your duties are each day yet <coughs> i mean i know it's no. three months out i, I have no idea <laughs> might, i mean I, I know you've got like five weeks left in the season here but yeah. at some point soon you're gonna no. need to start narrowing down exactly thursday I, friday saturday what no, I'm i know to be i have i have a bunch of stuff i'm supposed to do that i've been so bad with <laughs> um like getting tuxes for my groomsmen and uh-huh. things like that so uh i definitely cc is so organized and she helps me with all that so couldn't tell from her yeah, yeah so what <laughs> once i get home she'll have a list of things i need to figure out and um yeah i'll try to get on i'm not great at that stuff so that's why she's my better half you you do know it's yeah it's just not about you yeah i mean that's that's yeah. key <laughs> to, to have yeah. that understanding yeah her mom's amazing though is she's she's so great at planning everything she's so selfless so um pickleball tournament uh give me Pickleball. No, it's not here. <laughs> uh, going to please. I had a pickleball tournament right now. Yeah, uh, my so my dad, picture. my dad and Cece's mom play pickleball like five times a week. Yeah, and they're obsessed. Um, yes. Cece's mom will play like twice a day, five days a week. She's out there all the time, and she's unreal. But she's I, unreal. I get that. Like yeah. I get the idea. I, it's fun. Yeah. So me and Cece will play them on weekends. Yes. We'll go out there like once a week. Or Cece plays more than I do. Yeah. Um, she'll play like two or three times a week. Um, 
Yeah, it's unreal. I mean, it's great because I go out there play with my 61-year-old dad, yes. and we're having great points. Yes. And, like, I don't really need to take it easy because yeah. you don't have to move that much. Whereas right. if I go play tennis with him, like, I'm just running after balls and, like, he can't move as well. But in pickleball, it evens the playing field. and like Totally get it. It's so fun. I played with my father as well. I yeah. totally understand that. Yeah. I have real questions about the televised product. Like, Noah yeah. and I are going to be doing a podcast this, I think, Sunday night. We're going to record after. When's, when's he starting? Is he starting next year or this year? I don't, I don't know yet. Okay. So yeah, it'll be. He's we'll, doing preseason now for next year. He's, he's <laughs> there in, I think it's Columbus. I think it's Columbus, Oh, he's Ohio. starting. Okay. He's there, I think, to meet with people. It's the team competition, okay. not the individual tournament. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's awesome. I think it's great. <laughs> I just have, I have issues with the, the televised product. I like, think it's great as a. You fun think it's boring activity. to watch? Yes. Oh, uh, because once you're a pro, you just you're dinking and doing I, those things. I I'm not taking anything away from the skill yeah. level, anything like that. But my God, like if I'm seeing highlights on Instagram or, yeah. or TikTok, and I'm bored watching like the highlight, <laughs> yeah. it's like well, we might go to. St- <laughs> so, I know. You know that's that's yeah. I guess my question. I'm yeah. not saying that to insult. Uh-huh. Like, do you think it could work? Yeah, I think it will. Um, I mean. There's only going to be better players now that tennis players Agreed. are going over. Agreed. So they're going to come in. I think there'll be a learning curve. Yeah. But I think tennis is just like so such a natural transition to pickleball. For sure. I think the level will only increase. You hear what Keenan Mayo did last week? Yeah. Keenan's unreal. He's out there battling. Yeah. It was this. There was the in th- Vegas. Yeah. And the top 24 players in the world were in one draw. Yeah. And then he got to be a, like a wild card into the other draw and uh-huh. he beat the 30th ranked player in the world yeah like 11 1 11 0 yeah yeah no it's if you have tennis skill yeah you're very good at pickleball yes and i mean those guys they're so patient like with the dinks and stuff. i think yeah. a lot of tennis players will have a hard time with that correct like being patient but once they get it i mean i think the level is going to get sick i think the level is going to be very very yeah high. so yeah maybe right now it's a little slow but uh i think like next year it's now that all these people are like buying teams and yeah, stuff right. like they're going to invest even more money in it and, like, all the sponsors. There's so many sponsors in pickleball. It's yes, crazy. It like, I nice. heard about this one lady. I, I grew up playing juniors with her son. Okay. And she just signed a 120K paddle deal for one year. And she plays seniors. She doesn't even play, like, the Gosh. the pro open. Sam, I think we're doing everything wrong. Like You got to work smarter, <laughs> not harder, you know? <laughs> so I think, like, it's there. Like, why not take advantage of it? Yeah. Especially, like someone who's done with tennis and they yeah, want right. to still be a competitive athlete yes but they're they're done with tennis like sick but i don't know about if you quit tennis for it that for me like as a tennis player that would be a little hard but like yes. if you're done with tennis it's behind you like yes. and you want to play pickleball it's sick yeah there's there there's a lot of there's a lot of money out there right now yeah and i can't blame a single person for making that jump Especially Seriously. like Noah's situation. Somebody's yeah. 250 in the world, and it's just like, eh, I've done it for a few years, and it's taken a toll on my body. Yeah, More power to him. I just, but that's for another podcast, Sam. That's yeah. not why I invited you. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> it'll be fun to see what happens in the future, because it's only going to get bigger. I agree. It's it's um, it's going to be a fun transition for Noah. I'm interested in following from afar. Yeah. I'll put it that way. <laughs> um, Sam, you have a battle tomorrow with Michael Moe. Uh, I appreciate your time very much. You stuck around a little bit here today, and um, yeah, tennis Sangren's over there in a battle with the Lafayette. Yeah. It's um, yeah, you need to get out of here. Just go do something fun. Uh, I appreciate your time very much, Sam. Thanks, Mike. This was fun. Appreciate it.
Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA member FDSE. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.